It's religion today, it's ideology today, and our secularist friends also have a faith. Some kind of Disneyland fantasy. I know how this is going to get heard in the secular world. Where the pseudo-Christian masks are off. That's nonsense, ladies and gentlemen. Apologetics isn't just about giving answers to other people's questions. It's also about learning to question other people's answers or even question the question itself. In a Christian worldview. Well, welcome to Quantum number 234. Quantum, the podcast that looks at news and views from a Christian worldview, but is open to all. And I genuinely do mean it is open to all. I am delighted to hear things from those of you who are not Christians and to hear as well of some of you who are Christians passing it on to non-Christian friends. Please feel free to let me know your comments as we try and think about what's going on in the world. If you uh, want to use some cool slang as I always do and this song I think is a great introduction. There's something happening here What it is ain't exactly there's a man with a gun over there Telling me I got to beware I think it's time we stop Children, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going down There's battle lines being Nobody's right if everybody's wrong Young people speaking their minds Are getting so much resistance from behind Time we stop, hey, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going down That's Buffalo Springfield, what's going down? Um, something happening here. What it is, isn't exactly clear. Stop children, what's that sound? Everybody look, what's going down? That's what we're doing. We're looking at what's going down. There's something happening. There are some. We've got some major stuff to look at. So apologies this week if I seem to rush through things. I just want to keep this at a decent length. And if you want to investigate any of these things, more than you just go to the website www.theweeflee.com or to the ask website and you'll see uh, links there to the various subjects and here's the first subject this is uh, I think this is the biggest story of the week and that is China and it's the fact that China's population has fallen for the first time in 60 years with the national birth rate birth rate hitting a record low 6.77 births per person now in the united states it's 11.06 births per 1000 people sorry uh, 6.77 births not per person per 1000 people united states is 11.06 united kingdom 10.08 india which is about to overtake china as the world's most populous country the birth rate is 16.42 in china it's 6.77 this one child policy has really come home to roost the economy in china has expanded three percent now most countries would consider that to be fairly good especially um in the COVID era however for china that is the worst in decades and uh it's 
that has knock-on effects throughout the rest of the world and here in Australia uh, especially. So that's a big, big news story and it's not necessarily good news. Uh, let's take another news story. Uh, let's go across to this country. Do you recognise this national anthem? Is the national anthem for Greece. It, uh, it's a poem written by Dionysius Solomos in 1823. It consists of 158 verses. It's the longest hymn in the world, set to music by Nicolas Mantazaros. Um, the first two stanzas became the national anthem of Greece. Um, and the reason I'm playing that is because it may have escaped your notice, but Quite a historic moment. Constantine II, Greece's last king, was buried on Monday. No state funeral. Um, he'd reigned just three years when an army dictatorship seized control in 1967. He then fled to Rome, then to London. Uh, the monarchy was abolished by the junta in 1973, and when democracy was re-established in 1974, there was a referendum and the monarchy was not reintroduced. He himself returned to live in 2013, but he died recently and was buried on Monday. And then let's go to Africa. Uh, there, sadly again, and, I, and again, I don't think, we, we try and report things here that aren't necessarily reported all the time. There was a bomb in the Congo in a church. 14 people died three dozen sustained injuries at a Pentecostal church in the Democratic Republic of Congo. The Islamic State extremist group has claimed responsibility for the attack in the town of Kasindi. Um, just again so desperately sad what's going on and again, again so often unnoticed but by far Christians are the most killed and persecuted group in the world. Let's come back to Europe. Um, I wonder if you'll recognise what the next story is from this piece of music. This, the theme from The Godfather. And the reason I'm playing that is the last Godfather of Sicily's Costa Nostra Mafia is has been captured. Matino Messina Denaro, 
who has been linked to more than 50 murders, went into hiding in 1993 after a series of bombings that left 10 people dead and 93 injured. He's now 60 years old and he's finally arrested on Monday when he attended a private medical clinic in Palermo under a false name for cancer treatment. Uh, He's a man who had once boasted, forget all the glamour of the Godfather, he had boasted that he had filled a cemetery all by myself. Uh, He has been responsible for torture, including of a 12-year-old boy. Um, It's strange, you know, that how things uh, are gangs still here are mafia style things still here yes but the shift is very much away from the mafia in Italy and New York to other groups okay um, let's talk about Davos and let's talk about right wing conspiracy theories the World Economic Forum annual meeting where the brightest minds most powerful political figures and global industry leaders all make the climb to Davos, Switzerland a town nestled in the Swiss Alps best known for its long ski trails and beautiful scenery it's the first in-person summit since before the COVID-19 pandemic and it is an unusual one set against the backdrop of war in Europe and economic uncertainty worldwide The World Economic Forum says Davos will be the starting point for a new era of global responsibility and cooperation. There is a lot of uh, uh, lack of trust uh, globally. We are faced uh, with a very polarized world. We also need countries to collaborate. The World Economic Forum's annual meeting is normally held in the dead of winter, but this year, spring will be in full bloom, perhaps a hopeful nod to humanity's future. Now that's... Davos, the annual gathering of the rich and power, powerful, held in Davos in Switzerland, obviously. The World Economic Forum's annual meeting. Business and world leader, leaders gathering for discussions. And their theme this year is cooperation in a fragmented world. Now, who are Davos and, and why is it so important? Well, heads of state from all over the world, the CEOs of Amazon, BlackRock, JP Morgan Chase, Pfizer, Moderna, the President of the European Commission, the IMF's Managing Secretary, the Secretary General of NATO, the Chiefs of the FBI and MI6, the publisher of the New York Times, and of course, their now infamous host, the kind of Blofeld villain of the whole thing, Klaus Schwab. More than 5,000 soldiers will be deployed to protect them when they meet. Now they'll talk about lots of things. They'll talk about environmental protection and social entrepreneurship. The reality is, though, that the WEF is mostly funded by around 1,000 member companies, typically global enterprises with multi-billion dollar turnovers, including, for example, Saudi Aramco, Shell, Chevron, BP, Unilever, Coca-Cola, Nestle, Google, Facebook, Amazon, Microsoft, Apple, AstraZeneca, Pfizer, Moderna, and so on. Its board includes Lawrence D. Fink, the CEO of BlackRock, David M. Rubenstein, the co-chairman of the Carlyle Group, and Mark Schneider, the CEO of Nestle. Now, what do you think that they are going to produce. They are going to produce things that are good for them and for their companies. So in the press already, there are warnings coming out about those who regard Davos as a far right, not far right, but as some kind of world conspiracy. Now, the thing is, you have to be very careful here. You see, what people do is they, they say, if they don't agree with you, they say you're far right. 
even though you may not be far right at all, or they say that um, you're a conspiracy theorist. But sometimes the conspiracies are true. Now, sometimes they're wacko. But the World Economic Forum, for example, does really want a great reset where we'll move on to living in low energy, high density, low privacy environments where we'll own nothing except the very wealthy. Them, in other words, they'll own everything, but we'll own nothing. We'll rent it from them. By the way, in conspiracy theories, the FBI really did spy on Donald Trump's campaign, really did spread misinformation. And Facebook and Twitter, as we now know, because of the Twitter files, really did censor accurate COVID information at the behest of the White House and Twitter. And they did operate secret blacklists to censor and deplatform those they didn't like, even if the information they were producing was accurate and didn't go against their policies. So come back to this WEF and Klaus Schwab. He's rich, he's secretive, he's unelected, and he has this enormous influence over many, many world leaders. It's they, the WF manipulate journals. We know that they paid directly Reuters, while on the other hand, they give them a platform on the stage, free rooms, free food at Davos, and the media tend just to go along with that. I've, there's a, an article I'll give you a link to on from a on a public substack, which I thought was really excellent, talking about the young global leaders as well. This is their program where Schwab admitted that they'd set it up to penetrate the cabinets of several governments, and he boasted in 2017 that more than half of Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's cabinet had been members of the program. We've talked a lot about the Netherlands on on this, this podcast. Dutch Prime Minister Mark Rutter's proposal to cut nitrogen emissions in line with the WEF policies. It turns out that his Minister of Social Affairs and Employment was elected WEF Young Global Leader in 2008, while his Deputy Prime Minister and Finance Minister Sigrid Kag is a contributor to the WEF. There are extensive links between the WEF and the Dutch government. It wields enormous power. Now, I'm telling you all of that because the WEF represents no more than six or 7,000 people or 0.0001% of the world's population. Yet they are more powerful than any group of people at any time in human history. They have the power to bypass national governments. They have the power to bypass democracies. And we have got to keep an eye on that. Okay, that's enough of that. Um, let's let's chill with this music. Of love, their manes full of fire. 
They are parting the cities, those bright burning horses. And everyone is hiding, and no one makes a sound. And I'm by your side, and I'm holding your hand. Bright horses of wonder springing. Your burning hand. That's Nick Cave's um, Bright Horses from his album Ghosting. Nick Cave, just the incredible Australian singer-songwriter. Uh, there's a fascinating article that he's written about another issue that we've been looking at, ChatGPT, the uh, becoming ubiquitous AI, artificial intelligence. You, if you don't know about this already, if, if you get it, uh, the moment you get it free, but you'll soon be paying for it, um, you can type in a few words. Like, for example, you could type in, write a song in the style of Nick Cave, and it will do so. Now, the song that came up, I'll dance with the devil, I'll play his game, and, and it talks about, I am the sinner, I am the saint, I am darkness, I'm light. Uh, this man called Mark sent it to Cave, and Cave's response is absolutely brilliant. He says, Mark, thanks for the song, but with all the love and respect in the world, this song is beep. A grotesque mockery of what it is to be human, and well, I don't much like it. And I love what he says. I think this is brilliant. Songs arise out of suffering, by which I mean they are predicated upon the complex internal human struggle of creation. And well, as far as I know, Algorithms don't feel, data doesn't suffer. That's brilliant. Chat, GPT's melancholy role is that it is destined to imitate but can never have an authentic human experience, no matter how devalued and inconsequential the human experience may in time become. It's just brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Good for Nick Cave, totally agree. Um, but watch this space. Right, let's let's come on to Canada and Justin Trudeau's thoroughly illiberal and authoritarian government. Here's an extraordinary story from Canada. And if any of you are from Canada and you want to enlighten us further on it, please feel free to do so. Danielle Stephanie Warriner was admitted to hospital and suffered with breathing problems. She was sitting in a hallway wearing PPE. She lowered her mask due to her breathing problems. Guards approached her to enforce a mask mandate. She didn't comply because she had trouble breathing. They demanded that she don the mask. They threw her against the wall. They put a knee in her back. They turned the camera away from the incident. Um, they held her in the same manner that George Floyd was restrained, knee to the back, using the body weight. She's a 125 pound woman with breathing difficulties. They handcuffed her while she was unconscious, kept her restrained using a knee to the back. She stopped breathing. They put her into a wheelchair. Eventually they noticed she wasn't breathing, called the doctor and she died. These guards killed her. A woman in a respiratory distress in a hospital hallway. The guards were charged and awaiting trial but an Ontario judge decided that the case would be thrown out. Why? Not because of lack of evidence, but because of the circumstances. It's, it's really 
just quite extraordinary that these guys get away with murder because they were enforcing a mask mandate in a Western liberal democracy. Think about that. I'll tell you what, that's a bit heavy. And um, I was thinking about music recently. Uh, Nick Cave is an example of this. Uh, Leonard Cohen, who, whom I love. Uh, Bob Dylan and many others. They are, their music is also poetry. And, and this is an old song I came across that I just thought, it's just so beautiful. I think it's a kind of lament. Um, the, the language is very poetic. It's called uh, After the Gold Rationed. We'll play some of this from Prelude. Well, I dreamed I saw the knights in armor come and saying something about a queen. There were peasants singing and drummers drumming and the archers played the tree. There was a fanfare blowing to the sun that was floating on the breeze. Look at Mother Nature on the run in the 1917. I was lying in a burned out basement with the full moon in my eyes. I was hoping for a replacement when the sun burst through the skies. There was a band playing in my head and I felt like getting high. Thinking about what a friend had said, I was hoping it was a lie. Well, I dreamed I saw the silver spaceships flying in the yellow haze of the sun. There were children crying and banners flying all around the chosen one. All in a dream, all in a dream, the loading had begun. Flying Mother Nature's silver seed to a new home in the sun. Flying Mother Nature's silver seed to a new home in the sun. I should have mentioned that was, of course, a Neil Young song written by Neil Young. Right, let's come to the UK or go to the UK and... Uh, Here's Keir Starmer. Now, when you ran as leader, you said you would end outsourcing yeah. in the NHS. That's out. You said that you would abolish the welfare payment, universal credit. That's out. And one of our viewers, Edmund, wants to know, he says, if Keir Starmer has broken all of his pledges to the Labour Party, how can the country expect to trust a word he says? Well, what how can people trust you when you have, you know, explicitly junked promises you made? Well, when I was running for leader, I made pledges which reflected my values. Um, since then, we're now, what, three years on, 
a lot has changed, as you said at the head of the programme. We've been through COVID. We are still going through uh, an awful conflict in Ukraine, and the Tory government has done huge damage to our economy. What's that and got to do with you ditching a promise to end outsourcing in the NHS? Well, so far as the NHS is concerned, what we've said in the last week or two is we would make more use mm -hmm. of the private sector to clear... Now, what stuns me about that and what's fascinating about that is he said how he says, these reflect my values since then a lot has changed. Remind me of Groucho Marx's statement that these are my principles. If you don't like them, I've got others. The point about this is surely this. Politicians should not make promises they cannot keep and which do not recognise the possibility of change. But if you have principles which change according to circumstances, they're not principles. We need people who've got principles. How you apply them may change. How you express them even may change. But since I've done Labour, let's do the Tories. Penny Mordaunt, who, it's, it's astonishing, as a, a cabinet minister, has written to the Church of England, urging them to allow gay marriage ahead of an, the upcoming vote by bishops. Now, why is a government minister doing that? She said that she wanted to do it because... Um, uh, the issue would fester, etc., etc., and, and all the usual arguments for same-sex marriage. But why is a government minister telling the church what to believe and what to teach? These are very, very dangerous times. Let's stick with the Tory. Steve Baker, who's a Christian and who normally I've got a lot of time for, put out the most bizarre tweet. In fact, I, I thought it was a fake account, but apparently it's not. It's him. He said, as part of my New Year's resolution, I pledge to be an ally to the LGBT plus community. We must continue to support the LGBT plus community and continue to work to ensure that our society is one where LGBT plus people can live their lives free from hate. Well, indeed, Steve, but we want to have a society where everyone can live their lives free from hate. When you pledge to be an ally to the LGBT community, you are pledging to tie in to all the teaching that goes along with one particular aspect of that. And you're saying that the rest of us who don't agree with that, that we are hateful. What happened to you? Or here's another conservative, uh, Caroline Noakes. Listen to this. Oh, I'm very uncomfortable about uh, gender wars. I'm very uncomfortable about having some sort of culture war about this. I think what is absolutely imperative is that we treat everybody with respect and we try to have a debate around gender identification that recognises the reality. There are people who uh, are born in the wrong body, who work incredibly hard their entire lifetime to get the recognition for the person that they are. And my committee has taken private evidence from individuals, from trans people, and listening to their struggles, listening to the discrimination and the abuse that they have faced. I absolutely believe we have to make the process simpler and kinder, um, but I, I really fear the use of this as some sort of woke culture war. Now, she is the chair of the Women and Equalities Committee. It is, it is extraordinary that we have a senior politician stating that it is a reality that there are people who are born in the wrong body. No, there are not. I mean, I, want, I, I could look at a mirror. I mean, if we were doing this online just now, I could say, look, guys, I was born in the wrong body. I need another body. This is not what I feel like. You know, I'm not an overweight, middle-aged man. I was born in the wrong body. No, 
that's not reality. But this is where conservatives are going. People that, you know, the conservative parties and the Liberal Party here and de- Republicans in the US as well, they don't seem to realize that the only way they're going to ever be elected to power is if they recognize that they cannot go along with this kind of woke culture. Or you end up with the nonsense that's going on in Scotland. Now, I'm, I'm not going to say anything about what's happening in Scotland just now because uh, where the, the UK government have, have blocked their Gender Reform Act. We'll say more about that next week. But just think of how extraordinary all of this is, how, where this ends up. Sarah Jane Baker, who claims to be the world's longest-serving transgender prisoner, has said that she... Uh, she is a he, by the way, it's a man who says he's a woman, is going to take on the next, is going to stand for election uh, against London mayoral candidate Zach Goldsmith. Now, this man who says he's a woman is serving a life sentence for attempted murder, kidnapping and torture. He also killed someone in prison and he would like to abolish prisons. So several of you sent me this. It was great. I can't play it all. There's eight minutes of it. It's Constantine Kissing's uh, speech at the Oxford Union. Uh, Let me just play this a little bit. A third of all children who live in extreme poverty in the world live in India. That means they are starving and dying of preventable disease. Now, about 15 months ago, my wife got pregnant. Not me, because we're old school. And for nine months, we talked about what our boy would look like, what he might do when he grows up. We looked at baby scans and videos on YouTube about what the fetus looks like at nine months and 12 months and 20 months. And eventually he was born. And he is this cute little bundle of joy. He's cuter than about 80% of puppies, right? Now, if you said to me that I had a choice, either my son had a serious risk of starving or dying from a preventable disease in the next year, or I could press a button and he would live, he would go to school, he would bring his first girlfriend home, he'd go to university and graduate and become a woke idiot. (laughs) And then he'd get a job and get married and have children and become a man. But all I have to do is press this button. And for every day of my son's life, a giant plume of CO2 is going to get released into the atmosphere. Now, you're all very young, and most of you are not parents. Let me tell you something. There is not a parent in the world who would not smash that button so hard their hand bled. You are not going to get these people to stay poor. You're not even going to get them to not want to be richer. And so, I put it to you, ladies and gentlemen, there is only one thing we can do in this country to stop climate change, and that is to make scientific and technological breakthroughs that will create the clean energy that is It's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. I won't say much about it, just simply to say well worth uh, listening to. Uh, And then... I think we ought to get back to doing us a film reviews. We went to see this film. Now, if I've done something to you, just tell me what I've done to you. Well, you didn't do anything to me. I just don't like you no more. 
have a set of shears at home, and each time you bother me from this day on, I'll take those shears, and I'll take one of my fingers off with them, and I'll give that finger to you until I have no fingers left. Does this make things clearer to you? Not really, no. Starting from now. But shush like, Polly. You know, shush like. Yeah, I'd shush like. To be honest, I went thinking this film's going to be brilliant. I was told it was brilliant. Everyone's praising it. And I went and 20 minutes, I wasn't really into it and thought, yeah, I'll still get into it. But I came out and my wife turned to me and said, what do you think? And I said, do you know this? That's one of the most depressing, degrading films I've ever seen. Wonderfully acted, great scenery. I actually thought it was a bit racist as well, to be honest, portraying the all Irish men as kind of thick or stupid or, or just vicious or pedophiles or whatever. Um, just caricatured, lazy, depressing, stereotyped. Oh, um, and as a picture of the human condition, if that's it, pff, no thanks. Look, I tell you what, before we go, let's cheer up with something. Um, I think we should do a sports section every week as well. And so uh, let's go to Melbourne. That's Djokovic returning uh, and being warmly welcomed, which he should be, and winning his first game. But this was the best result of the Melbourne Tennis Open. Game, set the match, Murray. Three sets to two, six three, six three, four six, six seven, seven six. An extraordinary match, deserved an extraordinary way to finish it. Fortune favours the brave and the courageous, and Murray has that in abundance, and he's shown it today. Yeah, that's Andy Murray, Andy Murray turning back the years, the Scott winning a massive five-setter and playing some great shots. So, um, listen, I'm going to head off and watch more of it. Uh, finish recording this but I'm going to love you and leave you with this wonderful song I was amazed I often have criticised BBC Radio Scotland but this was great I heard on their news item they did a whole item about the 250th anniversary of Amazing Grace by John Newton and uh, here is there are so many versions but here's Gels Bosfeld's or is it Jelly Bosfeld in Berlin with 200 Pipers Absolutely wonderful song.
So uh, thanks to Peter for producing this. Thanks to those of you who support this uh, podcast. If you want to do so, please go to the Podbean fundraiser. Go to the website to get all the links and find out what's going on. Send me any criticisms. Thanks again to those of you who keep sending me um, information and other things. It's great to get it. Uh, God bless you wherever you are. If you've got questions as well, feel, feel free to get in touch. But I pray you would know God's amazing grace. Bye.